When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's the report, old report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. his New York sports radio fans know him, the great Alan White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report. Here on Tuesday, January 21st from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you miss the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers will play for Super Bowl 54, and as the dust settles in the Major League Baseball cheating scandal, the Houston Astros finally have some comments. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that was a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, uh, another exciting week in athletics. So exciting that we are down to the nitty-gritty in the National Football League. Two teams remain standing to play in Super Bowl 54. Maybe somewhat surprising, but potentially shouldn't be that surprising when we think about it and once we talk about it. The San Francisco 49ers back in the Super Bowl facing the Kansas City Chiefs, who for the first time in 50 years have an opportunity to play for the Super Bowl themselves as well. Should be an exciting game, but now we have to talk about both games that got them to this point. And if we start in the AFC, another example of, I guess we shouldn't be that surprised at this point that Patrick Mahomes is able to do what he does in showing the world that he is indeed one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, doing his thing with several unanswered touchdown passes en route to beating the Tennessee Titans, getting the Titans in the mode where they had to pass the football. They had to rely on Ryan Tannehill, which is something we talked about last week as if you're going to beat these Titans, one of the ways to do so is to stop the run and get them to pass the ball, which is something that they did not want to do. We got to that point. And we ended up with the Chiefs, I don't want to say cruising, but not having that much trouble, at least once the second half started, in getting to the Super Bowl, taking down the Titans, and now having an opportunity to go to Miami and bring a title home to Kansas City. Very exciting if you're a Chiefs fan. Well, hello, Johnny, and to all our our, our fans and friends and listeners. Uh, It was really an inconsequential weekend. I don't mean to put uh, a damper on things, but the best weekend of the NFL playoffs was the first weekend. Uh, Nothing else even close. Last weekend, we had one good game. Uh, And this weekend, we had no good games. 
to be expected. The lines were large, seven, seven and a half, depending on you know where you made your plays. Uh, and not to disagree with you, but Patty Holmes is not one of the. He is the best quarterback in the National Football League, uh, bar none. He has the best combination of arm strength, accuracy, mobility, smarts, physicality, escapability, uh, leadership, and youth. And, you know, right now he's almost Lamar Jackson's legs, pretty much Aaron Rodgers' arm, and a lot more personality than Aaron Rodgers. And he played another terrific game yesterday. And look, again, Tennessee jumped out 17-7. They were in good shape. Mahomes makes it 17-14 with one of his uh, Mercurial wide receivers. Touchdown pass down the middle. And then uh, Tennessee has to give the ball up at 17-14. And lo and behold, you know, can anybody tackle anymore? Can anybody tackle? Does anybody want, want to just like make a legit hit? Are they afraid of being penalized? Do they want to put their shoulder into somebody's, into somebody's belly? Do they want to just not worry about trying to tackle the football instead of tackling the player? And last drive before halftime, Mahomes scrambles as he did the entire game uh, to avoid a pretty strong pass rush, but a pass rush that continually let him escape to the outside. And he goes down the sideline, stays in bounds, and then decides, you want to know what? Not only am I not going out of bounds here, I'm going to cut up fields and see if I can go for it. And instead of tackling him somewhere between the 15-yard line and the goal line, he gets to the five, lowers his head, drags two guys in, where if they brought him down in play, they would have had to scramble to use one of their timeouts, maybe have time for one, maybe two more plays, certainly one, maybe held to three. Instead, he powers his way in. Uh, they turn a 17-7 deficit into a 21-17 uh, halftime lead. They come out and get stopped on the opening drive. Tennessee gets the ball back, and they have a second and one off a penalty and a four-yard dominator Henry run. And lo and behold, just when you think they're in good shape, they go no gain. They go two feet, and now it's either going to be fourth and one or because of a wholly unnecessary holding penalty on the other side of the line, it's a 10-yard penalty. Andy Reid makes the right decision and takes the penalty, and instead of fourth and one, which I'm sure Tennessee would have gone for, maybe fourth and a foot, we never got a measurement, he turns it into third and 11, and of course Tannehill does not convert, and then you can turn off your TV sets. Because the game was over after that possession. Plain and simple. Too much Mahomes, too much weaponry on his lightning quick wide receiver. Sammy Watkins was brilliant. Uh, you know, really, it's always one of those guys who has a big game. Whether it's Kelsey, terrific tight end, whether it's the I mean, Hill is just, I guess, got to be, if not the fastest, close to the fastest guy in the NFL. And Sammy Watkins isn't far behind. But Sammy Watkins had, you know, his best game of his postseason life yesterday. He was brilliant. He was the go-to guy. Uh, he ripped in the shreds. And the game was basically over once you got up the second score because you're just not going to match scores with them. And Kansas City always, I think we see, you now Kansas City's second-half team. 
I mean, it, it, it's pretty simple. They go in, they do adjustments at halftime, and then they just come out smoking in the second half. And he's shown that he has a great deal of um, flexibility. He has a great de- deal of maneuverability. He has a great deal of uh, gumption. Nothing seems to phase him. And the pass rush, if it's not going to keep him in the pocket, if you're going to pressure him and let him get to the outside, you're cooked because he's too quick for your other people. He continually runs, gets to the chains, gets his butt out of bounds, does get, you'll give up a clean hit, scramble for seven, eight, 10, 12 yards. And when you keep him in the pocket with time, with that arm and that accuracy and those receivers, give enough time to get open, that arm is laser-like and those guys can fly. And then you always got the big tight end. Uh, you know, if he's not going to be your primary, he's your secondary or tertiary. Somebody's always wide open, give enough time to throw. And lo and behold, he's going to fire a laser in there and you're done. And that's just pretty much the way it is. You can't match. You cannot match scores with them. You have to do what you did in the first half, keep them off the field, be up 17-7, and then take advantage of your possessions. And you'll make sure you pressure them, keep them in the pocket. They pressured him, but they couldn't keep him in the pocket. Every time he got outside, time after time, after time, after time. And he did serious damage either scrambling, throwing the ball on the run, whatever the case may be. And you just can't match scores for them. And once Tennessee fell behind, that's all she wrote. That was all she wrote. And again, they go on a big second half run. And uh, the best or second best team in the AFC, whether it's them or my Ravens, is going to play the best team in the NFC. Clearly two of the three best teams in the National Football League meeting in the Super Bowl. Kansas City back for the first time in 50 years. San Francisco back again. Uh, I think we've got a great matchup. I think we've got a chance for a terrific game. Hopefully it will be better than the two games we saw yesterday. Yeah, it's it's definitely a great story uh, for both franchises and especially for the Chiefs. Just what Patty Mahomes has been able to do in his young career after the Chiefs have basically done nothing for years. And it's funny as a Broncos fan, obviously the Chiefs are supposed to be the Denver Broncos' biggest rival in the AFC. Sorry to Phillip Rivers and sorry to the Oakland Raiders who haven't found success <laughs> in a very long time. But it's been funny with the Chiefs. As a Broncos fan for at least my lifetime, it for some years was hard to even view it as a rivalry because they just weren't that good. Like, especially in recent years when Peyton came over and was the quarterback, it's like, you're not going to lose to the Chiefs. We're fine. Now it's kind of the point where they've obviously become the better team and and they're the rival now because of how much better they are than the Denver Broncos. But it's been interesting for them as a franchise. I mean, they've they've been the, the kicking point of several jokes of how long it's been since they've even been to a Super Bowl, nonetheless had the opportunity to play for one. Now we're starting to get into that conversation. Unfortunately, with Mr. Mahomes as quarterback, the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC, or at least one of them. If you're the Titans going up against this team, you did exactly what you wanted to do and needed to do in the early going to give yourself an advantage. The running game was incredibly successful. It led to a touchdown. As you mentioned, they go out to a 17-7 lead. Ryan Tannehill makes the passes he has to make. They're taking time off the clock. 
Kansas City, as it's done this postseason, got off to a slow start. You were waiting for them to flip that switch and get going, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, maybe this is a well that you can only go to a certain number of times where you try to flip that switch and it doesn't work. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes makes no mistakes. There's no fumbles. There's no interceptions. They eventually get going. But if you're Tennessee in the second quarter, you're feeling good with, you know, five minutes to go. We're all right. Yep. 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 Now, let's – you just hit on something very important. When you're going to throw the balls off as they do, Patty Mahomes has not turned the ball over in the postseason. Lamar Jackson turned the ball over three times. Right. They're home. Yesterday, Aaron Rodgers turned the ball over twice in the first half. Game was over. Don't turn it over is your best chance to win football games. No matter how good you are on either side of the ball, if you don't give up the ball with short fields or to take away your own scoring opportunities, which both Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers did, you continue to play. You play on. Pat Mahomes has been the best combination of all possible worlds. He's played wonderfully well. He hasn't thrown any bad balls. His decision-making has been terrific. His accuracy has been wonderful. And he has not made any bad decisions with the football. That is a remarkable combination. It is a recipe for success. It is a recipe I can't talk, is a recipe for championships. My question to you is now big decision time after a wonderful postseason for Tennessee and a great run behind, of all people, uh, Tannehill. He is going to be, I believe, an unrestricted free agent, as is their bulwark fullback, slash running back, slash tailback, whatever you want to refer to him as. Uh, Derek Henry. What's your first choice here in terms of who you're going to bring back? If you were a Tennessee, you'll let the quarterback walk and bring back the running back. You're going to spend a fortune on the quarterback. Let's say Sayonara, the running back. You know, the running quarterback go and look elsewhere, look for a Teddy Bridgewater um, and pay the running back a boatload. What's your first priority for Tennessee? I think the safest bet for them, unfortunately, would be to just say goodbye to both, as difficult as that would be. I think this season, they got everything they possibly could get out of Ryan Tannehill, and he was phenomenal. He, he played his role perfectly. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. He did what they asked him to do. And he led them to a place in the postseason that no one expected them to get to. But now, because of that, he's going to want to get paid, as he should. Next year, if you are Tennessee, would you rather have Ryan Tannehill or Teddy Bridgewater? I think you'd, you'd rather take your chances with Teddy Bridgewater if he's going to come at a cheaper price. Because is it near? Does it seem like the Teddy Bridgewater level stand? in the offseason is going to be everywhere. I think it might. The chart, the Chargers. Yep. Tennessee. Yep. Tampa. Yes. 
because assume, of what assuming, he did. Assuming, assuming famous Jameis is, is not brought back at right. $20 million. They have Carolina, Carolina, you know, Carolina, we'll, we'll get into the quarterbacks. I assume Carolina's going to bring back Cam, okay? But um, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be – well, let me, let, me, let me put it this way. Who do you think will be more sought after and wind up making more money in terms of, in terms of what they're going to be paid in guaranteed money and or AAB? Teddy Bridgewater or Ryan Tanny? I think Tannehill will get more money. I think – even though it's risky based on what he did in the postseason, a team will be willing to take that shot and say, this makes us kind of a we-can-win-now type of team. Look what he did to get them to the postseason. We can do that, too. Whereas Teddy Bridgewater is still somewhat of a question mark, even though he was great in his role when he had if a If I'm the Chargers, I'm all over Teddy Bridgewater. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you've got the pieces around you to, on offense and defense thing. to they make a run. so ready-made to win. Good coach, playmakers on both sides of the ball, receivers, a big-time running back, tight end. They're loaded for bear. They just need the right quarterback. That I, don't, I hate to use the term again. You know, we'll say game manager. Teddy Bridgewater is a terrific game manager. If you just don't throw it to the other team three times a game, I mean, remember, they, they were a playoff team last year. They went into Baltimore and beat the Ravens. Uh, it, Phil Rivers just can't keep from throwing it to the other team. No. And I think Bridgewater is really a, a terrific fit there. I mean, otherwise, my first choice, because you got to sell tickets, is, and I said this before, and I'll say it again. And of course, Cincinnati said they don't want to do it. I don't enough top to back to the games. But if I were the Chargers, I would strongly consider offering my entire draft to Cincinnati to move up to the one spot and take Joe Burrow. So I sell tickets, and I have a quarterback who has been in a situation surrounded by talent to step right in, surrounded by more talent. And that would be an incredibly exciting year First year in their new stadium uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers with their talent and quarterback. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and again, it would have to be an astronomical offer for the Bengals to make that decision because reportedly they're holding on to that first round pick with their dear life. Sorry, Ryan Finley, NC State, ACC, friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the program. Friend of the program. Looks like they, they want to maybe move elsewhere. There's something else in mind. Based on what they saw this season, that would definitely be a move that it's setting your franchise up for success. Getting people now, in the Tennessee, seats. Tennessee's in good shape because of the skill positions. They've got a wonderful tailback slash fullback slash whatever we're calling it. Um, they've got what looks to be an excellent young wide receiver in A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss. Um, there are plenty of options for them at quarterback. I would not spend a fortune on Tannehill either uh, because I think we saw the best we're going to see yesterday when he had needed to make some big throws or big scrambles. Uh, he couldn't get out of harm's way. He was okay yesterday. The numbers looked pretty good. But 
you know, he's just not going to win you games. I'm not saying that Teddy Bridgewater is going to do that either. But it's going to be a very interesting offseason for Tennessee because they've got their coach in place. Uh, their defense is pretty strong. And that division is just it, – it reeks of being a tight division forever. You know, the Colts right. with whomever is going to play quarterback – an improving team. They've improved their offensive line so much. Uh, they were really racked by injuries this past season. But they've got to figure out their quarterback situation. Because uh, I, I, I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, the kid from the past. I, I, I don't think that he's a playoff quarterback in terms of, you know, other than one of those, you know, one-and-done scenarios. Uh, we know Houston is pretty good. They've got a wonderful young quarterback. They've got weapons on the outside. They've got a coach who's just, as we talked, spoke about last week, can't get out of his own way, and we both think is certainly not in the top half of coaches in the National Football League. How far are they going with him as head coach? As far as they got this year. And, you know, you have this thing. These are, it's for personnel wise, you, you really have a pretty, unlike any other division in the league, I think it's the most evenly distributed talent wise, equally matched division in the National Football League, where one player can really, you know, tip the entire balance. Uh, because right now, the best player in that division is the Houston quarterback. And the next best player in that division is the Tennessee running back. And then the rest is kind of up for grabs. So that's, you can go from first to last in that division. And you're in a division where it's not, we need to win 13, 14 games exactly. to compete. Exactly. It's, you get over nine wins and you get to 10 or 11, you're right there. You get a whole game. You're probably going to the postseason with the home field advantage, exactly. That's exactly right. And unfortunately for Derrick Henry, we're now looking around at the two teams that will be playing for the Super Bowl at two starting running backs that were un undrafted free agents. So how much faith do you put in to your star running back? Look what happened with two teams that come to mind in the NFC East who are putting incredible faith in their starting running back in Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley. Didn't even make the postseason. So that's a big weight on their shoulders, no pun intended, for the work Derrick Henry did as to what they're going to do with him or if they think their line is good enough where whoever's back there can find kind of close to the success that he was able to find because it was an incredible season. And incredible that... We had four teams playing for a chance at the Super Bowl, two of which don't want their quarterback to have to pass the football in a big spot, one of which will be playing for the Super Bowl in the San Francisco 49ers. In now the year 2020, we have quarterbacks that are throwing eight or nine times. This is back in your day, Al. Bob Greasy thank, thank you you know, throwing seven times thank in a football game. This, this, is, this is your dream. This is Hank Stram with the old Kansas City Chiefs and Lenny Dawson throwing the ball you know, single digits right, in, in a game against the Raiders, if you look it up, remember, serves me correct. Um, this is old school. This is two things can happen when you throw the football, two of them are bad. Either be incomplete or intercepted. 
And look, logically, if they can't stop what you're doing, why stop what you're doing? So many times we see teams, when they're successful running the ball, on second two, let's get cute and throw it. Or on second three, let's get cute and throw it. And San Francisco simply said, we're running through holes that are so wide, our running back isn't getting touched till he's seven yards down the field. Well, until somebody touches him after two or three yards, let's just keep doing it. He threw eight passes. Eight passes to go to the Super Jimmy Garoppolo was 75% completion percentage. Six for eight. Six for eight. He looked good. He threw one bad ball that almost got picked off, and then they didn't throw the ball for another two hours. Their running backs, including the young man out of Purdue who rushed for well over 200 yards, didn't just set an all-time niner playoff record, set an all-time niner regular season record and playoff record, so the niner all-time single-season, single-game rushing record. A guy who also rushed for over 100 yards against my Ravens, the Ray. He wasn't getting touched for 7, 8, 10, 12 yards downfield. It was remarkable. For the second time in one season, the Niners just totally and completely dominated both lines of scrimmage against the Packers. Uh, they were too big and strong for them when they played through the regular season, and they just looked too big and strong for them again last night. I was rooting hard for the Packers. I wanted to see a Green Bay-Kansas City matchup. I wanted to see Rodgers against Mahomes. But this is probably, I'm not going to say it's a better matchup, because I think Green Bay and Kansas City would have been a pretty close game, because I don't think Kansas City defense would be able to stop the Green Bay offense. But in terms of the caliber of the teams, this is a better matchup, because these are two of, two of the three best teams. Three best teams in football this year were Kansas City, the Ravens, and San Francisco. I Both agree. sides of the ball. Kansas City, the best offense. Ravens, the second best offense. Niners, the best defense. Ravens, the best combination on each side. Uh, best overall offense, best overall defense is what we have this year. I agree. I'll take it. I agree. I'll take it. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. But what I do think was somewhat surprising is we do have this narrative in our head that Aaron Rodgers will be able to figure it out. Whether regular season, postseason, seen a team for the second time, doesn't matter who the wide receivers are, who's hurt, who's injured, his defense. We, for whatever reason, think that Aaron Rodgers will be able to figure out. And even though they got blown out in the first matchup against the 49ers, like 38 to seven or whatever it was, you think, well, you know, they saw them already this year. Even though they're on the road, maybe they'll find a way. Maybe they'll be able to figure it out. 
maybe they'll get to a point where Jimmy G has to have the football in his hands and he's dueling with Aaron Rodgers, you give the advantage to Aaron Rodgers. Well, it, it took all of three or four drives for us to realize that wasn't the case. Because you blink, you go into halftime, and it's 27 nothing. And, and I know Russell Wilson was quoted as saying he's, he's really disappointed he didn't get to play in this game. He felt in a bad place that they, well, you know what? Score more than three points in the first half, as we mentioned last week. Here we go again for Aaron Rodgers. I know your defense isn't great, although you proclaim them as a great defense pretty much for every off-the-field, on-the-field interview throughout the season. Sunday night football, whenever there's a microphone, credit to the defense. We finally have a defense. Here we go at our defense. Okay, great. 27 nothing at the half. Clearly, the defense wasn't a match. I understand that. But you also go the entire first half scoring zero points. And he the looked... The fumble was the killer. He looked bad. Bad interception. Bad, bad fumble. It, it just looked like he... Like he wasn't ready for the game to start. What are you waiting for, man? And by the time you blink and finally get going... He finished the game with decent numbers, you know, 30 for 39, whatever it was, over 300 yards, couple touchdowns. Finished the game with, he finished the game with terrific numbers. Box score looks great, but that was all coming in garbage time when the defense Plus was like, looked, we're up by 1,000. What do we care? He, he looked disinterested. He did. He looked uh, like, rattled in the pocket. I'm now, better than everybody, and eh, whatever. Eh, whatever. But he's also always looked that way from draft day on. He's always looked that. Look, some guys have that kind of personality that is magnetic, that motivates their team, that attracts people. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have it. You know, it, a lot of people talk about Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, which he clearly is. He's a top 10 quarterback of my lifetime. And they've jumped right over his predecessor. I've never been able to figure out why. Brett Favre went to two Super Bowls. He won one, was competitive in another. He went to countless playoff games. He was a warrior. Most consecutive games. Never hurt, and when hurt, played anyway. Had a tremendous year with the Vikings. Took them a heartbeat from the Super Bowl. We've talked about that game that the referees in New Orleans stole from him in New Orleans um, when they put the bounty out on him. As tough a quarterback as ever gone under center. And always, always gave you that personality, gave you that leadership. You know, played with that kind of boyish enthusiasm that we love to watch. And yet, from, from the second Aaron Rodgers came in and Brett Favre left, We've anointed Aaron Rodgers as the greatest pack quarterback of all time. Why exactly is Aaron Rodgers better than Brett Favre? Because Brett Favre threw more interceptions? Because Brett Favre gambled more? Because Brett Favre made more mistakes? Maybe. Maybe all of that is true. But all the stuff you complain about Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre was totally the opposite. Brett Favre was the guy roaming the sideline, getting his guys pumped up. Brett Favre was the guy whacking guys out the rear end. Brett Favre was the guy saying, 
Probably everything we can to make sure that we win this game. He was the guy you wanted to go to war with. He was the guy who did everything he could to make sure that no stone was going to be unturned. Every ounce he had was going to be out on that field, and you could see he was going to give you everything he had on every play. And yet, this guy has jumped over him as a better, a better quarterback and a better Packer quarterback. I still don't see it. And I like Rodgers. Rodgers is one of the best times I've ever seen. Rodgers makes throws that only two or three guys I've seen in my lifetime can make them the way he makes them. Maybe nobody the way he makes them. It's not just the throws. It's the fact that it's just a little snap of his wrist and the ball comes out like a rocket. The throw he made last week on third down to Adams down the, down the sideline. The throw he made uh, against Dallas, in Dallas, uh, three years, was it three years ago? Before they got smoked by Atlanta? I think it was three years ago. Uh, the throw he made in the big comeback, the third down scramble, the right side, and then just, he just snaps his wrist and it's a laser to the tight end for the first down. He makes throws that probably are not even Patty Mahomes I've seen make when I say the way he makes them. There's barely any arm motion. It's just like this quick little two, and it comes up like a rocket. So he's absolutely a top 10 quarterback in my lifetime. Better than Breeze, absolutely. I, I don't think, you know, he's, he's him and Favre to me, the skill set, he might get the nod, but life on the line, I'd probably rather have Brett Favre. I'd probably rather have Brett Favre. Favre is the guy who's going to go down fighting, kicking, and scratching, doing everything he can. And I'm not saying Rodgers won't, but it just doesn't look like he cares enough. And to a lot of people, that matters. I love Aaron Rodgers, and it's been a complete pleasure to get to watch him play football. Regular season, no doubt about postseason, he'll, he'll always flip a switch and make a play where your jaw hits the floor. But I think there's going to come a time where eventually somebody's going to have to answer for what's happened to the Packers in the postseason. Since 2010, no Super Bowl appearances, the seven games that got the Packers eliminated since 2010, he's scored more than 24 points once. I know the defense hasn't been great over his tenure with the Green Bay Packers. We understand that. There's also been seasons because of injury or free agency or whatever the case may be, he's throwing to wide receivers that we've never heard of and has to make stars of them as the game goes on. And we know of them because Aaron Rodgers is throwing them the football. But eventually, all the dust is going to settle and we're going to look back at his career in the postseason and wonder, well, what the hell happened if you're Aaron Rodgers? Eventually, you're going to have to answer for the somewhat excuses that we've built up throughout the years. Well, Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, this year, first year head coach. Well, the defense has been bad. They, they allowed X number of points. Well, his wide receivers got hurt. Well, well, went to overtime, almost. He didn't get the ball in overtime now, the coin flip. Went to the other team, they scored first. Twice that's happened. Oh, the, the end of the game, the onside kick. The guy muffed it. 
Everything has an asterisk, everything has an excuse. But when you look at the numbers, I mean, at some point, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you would think by now there would have been a season where it's like, despite all that, they were able to do X. His last six playoff eliminations, sweeps. 2012, the 49ers. 2013, the 49ers. You know that team that he said a draft would regret not drafting him? Said that on his draft night. That was played all week long going into this game. 2014, the Seahawks. 2015, the Cardinals. Carson Palmer at quarterback out. The Falcons in 2016 and the 49ers this past season. The, the Falcons, they were shot by the time they got to the Falcons. 0 12 against those teams. And in the they past shot, two. They, 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 they were shot by the They were shot, pulled, but you know, he yeah, pulled, these are the He numbers. pulled the rabbit out of the hat against Dallas. They had nothing left by the time they got to the Falcons. Last two NFC Championship games, they've trailed 31 0 and 27 0 before scoring. And again, not all the blame falls on his shoulders. We get it. But it, it's going to come down to how many years left is he going to have an opportunity for this? I mean, this year was a lot of smoke and mirrors, as we talked about on the show. They're winning these games by late field goals, late touchdowns. All the close games seemingly went their way this season in route to 13 wins. You need a lot of luck to go your way. And that's not just them. That's any team if you're going to get 13, 14 wins. But when it comes down to a one-game sample size and you've had luck throughout the season, when it doesn't come for you, when the other team knows what to do, you get blown off the field again. How many more times is he going to have is the question. My biggest knock will always be, was it 2011? When they lost to the pack, when they lost to uh, the Giants. Yep, that season. At at home, weren't they fifteen and one? Yep, seven and a half point favorite. Yeah, Got that, that's always going to be my. That's always going to be my biggest stop. Is losing to that Giant team, which they were clearly better than, off a of fifteen and one season. That will always be my, my biggest knock on my because everybody else, whether it's Breeze. Whether it's Manning, who was two and two, Elway was two and three, Marino only got to one. The only two guys, and even Montana lost games in the postseason, but Montana was four and zero in Super Bowls. You know, and Brady six and three. The rest of this group, two and two, two and three, one and one, one and one, one and one. You know, it's all it's all the same. There's two guys. And you want to put Bradshaw in, who's 4-0. You know, those are your three guys who stand above the crowd with the gaudy Super Bowl numbers. 4-0, 4-0, 6-3. Everybody else is right around the 500 mark. And they're all great players. So you could put that knock on Manning, and he's gotten plenty of it. You could put that knock on Breeze. He's gotten plenty of it. We could put that knock on Elway. He got through it and over it and retired on a high note, but he got plenty of it. Marino only got to one, so he's gotten plenty of it. Everybody else who you know, is in that grouping of top 10 of this 
how should we say, modern era? It's all the same. It's all the same. You're Staubach, two and two. One is first two. I mean, one is first one, lost to the Steelers, beat the Broncos, lost to the Steelers, two and two. It's hard to have this four and oh, five and one, six and three. You know, and these were great players. So you don't just put it on Rodgers. You put him in with that group. You put him in with that second group, all right, behind Brady, behind Montana. And then you have that next group. You know, you have Peyton Manning. You have John Elm. You have Dan Marie. You have Aaron Rodgers. And so on down the line. Turns out it ain't easy. It's hard enough to get there, let alone win it. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And now you're still next year. And it's almost like you have to wait for something drastic to happen, whether it's another big-name wide receiver that can go against Devontae Adams, whether it's an upheaval on the defensive side. Oh, they must, they must get another offensive one. Whether it's a little bit of tweaking to the offensive line, though the other Aaron had an incredible season for the Packers. But you're still looking at Russell Wilson. You're still looking at this 49ers Super Bowl team. You're still looking at the potential of the Rams to make a postseason. And then if you happen to play them in one game, who knows what can happen. Drew Brees isn't going anywhere. Cam Newton coming back know, with Christian McCaffrey. We don't know about that. That's true. That's true. Well, if, if he stays with the Saints, he might have one last run in his back pocket. Cam Newton comes back and can figure things out with the Panthers under their new head coach for Christian McCaffrey. Dallas. Next him. Dallas. Dallas is talented. Philly is talented. Philly is talented. Two good young quarterbacks. The Vikings is still going to make a run. The NFC. It Vikings is going to be tough. And then, hey, you get to the Super Bowl, and who are you going to go up against? Lamar Jackson, Patty Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady. Can we still say Tom? I mean, as Aaron said after the game, the years past are so far away than the years that he has left. One, two, three, whatever the number would be. And it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And I understand the circumstances of the postseason. You need a little luck to go your way. You need to be healthy at the right time. But you when people luck. take a step back and you look. You need luck. You need health. You need help. Unlike, it, it's the most team game of all of all the sports. Basketball, one guy can dominate. Baseball, the guy who's got the ball in his hand on the hill can dominate. Hockey, the guy in between the pipes can dominate. Of all the sports, it's the one where you... Because remember, and you have two teams. If you're a quarterback, yeah, you guys on your side of the ball. But then there's the guys you never flew with on the other side of the ball. 
if it, if if it's the teamwork's not there, if the effort's not there, if the combination of both sides of the ball, along with the special teams, not there, I can't see better clean up special teams. Uh, uh, it, it's it's an incredibly difficult. Dan Marino never got back. As I said to Nick Wright tonight, when on his show this morning, he anointed his quarterback as all-time great. He's very excited. Nick, (laughs) he's wonderful. I call to congratulate you. Very happy for your hometown team. Not there in 50 years. My preseason pick to make it, even though obviously I rooted for my Ravens. They made it. It's great to see the trophy named after the founder of the team, he presented to his son at home, I believe 0-7 in their last seven home playoff games, if memory serves me correct, I believe seven straight home playoff losses. Finally, making the trip back after 50 years, but you got to pump the brakes. To call him an all-time great at this stage of his career, he's done nothing wrong. He's brilliant. He's got a wonderful arm, excellent decisions, accurate, very athletic, wonderful leader. It's all right there. But to call him an all-time great and say his place is cemented already? A bit premature. Maybe in Kansas City, but not in the entire league. Right. And, And then I said to him, remember... When you were just a gleam in your mom and daddy's eyes, it, it, it was 35 years ago. Another young stud went to the Super Bowl with incredible weapons, speed on each side. You couldn't both double team in the March Brothers. The difference was he didn't have this guy's legs. But this was a player who we thought would smash all the records and own them for all forever. And he did smash all the records the next year. But they lost to the same team. That Patty Mahomes is going to play, and he never, ever got back. And it wasn't because of ill health. It wasn't because of subpar performance. It's because his teams weren't good enough in the conference they were in. Some bad luck, some bad defense, not much of a running game. And Dan Marino, an all-time great, never got back to another Super Will that be the same with Pat Mahomes? Probably not. They have weapons that are going to make it very different on San Francisco. But the point is, you never know how hard it is to get there, regardless of how great you are. You need the help around you. And right now, he's blessed with plenty of help. He has weaponry out the wazoo with the speed of those wide receivers, the size and the athleticism of that tight end, the genius of Andy Reid, one of the great offensive gurus of my lifetime, the quarterback, the true quarterback whisperer, everywhere he goes, whether it's as an assistant coach at San Francisco or Green Bay or a head coach at Philadelphia or a head coach at Kansas City, always has a quarterback playing up to his potential, to the nth degree. He is as good a quarterback, coach, offensive, 
guru, play caller, as I have ever seen in all my years of watching the NFL. Clock management issues, yes. Strategic issues down the stretch, yes. But as a play caller and an offensive head coach, he has no, no, no superiors, none. Done that. Done that. I wanted to close to put a cap, well, at least a cap on what we know now, because God only knows what's going to come out later. But we ended last week giving a nice diatribe of Major League Baseball's decision against the Houston Astros, who fired their manager, A.J. Hinch, after receiving a $5 million fine, lost draft picks, etc. More came out almost immediately. Once the show ended, where the Boston Red Sox decided... They were just waiting for the show to end. Absolutely. They're getting rid of Alex Cora. Gone. Fired. We didn't even hear from Major League Baseball what his punishment will be. They just knew it was coming, and they said, we, we don't even want you to say it. He's out. The Mets. The New York Mets. Finally had some positivity hiring Carlos Beltran as their manager... Didn't even get to put the jersey back on from the press conference to manage in one game. They decide to part ways with him since he was really the only player named in the report as the ringleader for this. He's out. All that taken care of. What I found curious a couple days back was when the Houston Astros held a fan media appreciation day, whatever it was called. Didn't cancel it. Still held it and a couple players attended. And some, not all, but some, including our friend Mr. Bregman, gave a PR-lawyered answer of, we appreciate the commissioner and the report that he put out. We know the report the Houston Astros put out. All of that has been put out and we have no further comments at this time. And then he gave that answer several more times to the several more questions that were asked. Okay. Lance Berkman was there, our old friend from the Astros, saying that the Houston Astros organization is clean. Very interesting use of words. And then Jose Otuve gets in front of the microphone, and instead of giving the Alex Bregman PR speech, says... This is all fine. We're going to make the World Series next year. We'll be back. Don't you worry about that. All of this has happened, but we're going to get back into the World Series. We're the underdog, basically, heading into the 2020 season. No apologies. No I'm sorry's. No admittance. No whoops-a-daisies. You know they're not going to admit anything. I don't know what they were told. I don't know who said what. I don't know what Major League Baseball has told them not to say and what the organization is also telling them what to say. It just came off as an awful look across the board. They've they've come off looking awful pretty much every turn, whether it was the situation in the locker room with whatever his title was, the assistant GM – jumping up and down drunk and screaming at the women, whether it was uh, Jeff Luno's comments uh, after that, which showed basically no remorse 
whether it was A.J. Hinch standing up in front of the press base and saying, come get us. You know, you're, you're talking about where the name, name names. Yeah. Now it's all come out in the wash. And they have been total, and that's been one of the biggest problems. It's one of the biggest negatives about this. They have had this smug attitude throughout the entire process. Whatever they've released in terms of press releases has been very unemotional, very unapologetic. And it's been a continuum under Lunau throughout. And now their manager is gone. Their GM is gone. Their coach and confidant leader, team leader of the players are both gone. What are they going to say? I'm sure they've been told to keep tight-lipped about it because it's only going to make things worse. Admissions, whatever the case may be. Go and play. Now, could they be a little more congenial in their press conferences and their comments? Yes. They could show, I don't want to say a sense of humor, but they could show a personal side. And they seem very mechanical. They seem very uh, terse, very robotic, and again, uh, you know, very smug in their responses. And we've got three teams without without managers. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, we have two weeks to digest sports' biggest single day. Uh, So we will watch and track the gambling line for Kansas City and for uh, the, uh, the Niners as they seek to win yet another Super Bowl and the Chiefs seek to win their first one in 50 years. We will watch the suspension news and see what happens with the few free agents that are still out there, the two you know, big-name free agents, the Castellanos and Azuna. Uh, we will watch some NBA. College basketball is starting to you know, kick into gear. So we will have one week until we meet next and two full, two full weeks to digest Super Bowl Sunday. Have a great sports week for my one and only partner, John Tinyline. I am Al Renato, a.k.a. from White Plains. Have a great sports weekend. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. 